Hello friends, welcome to Beyond the News. I'm your host Jim Grant. This is being recorded on Friday the 28th of May. A big thank you to however you're listening, whether it's on Spotify or through our radio affiliates. Coming up on today's show, going to be looking more at the vaccine. That's something that my listeners have sent me on the Telegram page, so I'm going to promise to get to that this week. Also other things about the vaccine as well and other non-vaccine related stuff look at who joe biden has made one of his uh, chief guys for the atf there seems to be some problems in the labor party it almost seems as if a knighted lord um lawyer doesn't seem to be uh, no just a knighted lawyer isn't it i don't think he's in the house of laws a knighted lawyer doesn't seem to be speaking for the working class and it's almost as if the trade unions seem to have cottoned on to that fact a year after i pointed it out and uh Of course, it always helps to have a few absolutely disastrous election results behind you to get people to go, oh, are you really sure the public likes this guy? Or the PR people have said they'll love him. Oh, well, the PR people have been wrong before, haven't they? Oh, yeah, but they've been right. Look at Tony Blair. He was a wonderful liar and he always won elections for us. Okie dokie, we'll stick with the PR guys because everyone we speak to doesn't really fancy a knighted lawyer as part of the establishment that wants even more lockdowns more than Boris Johnson. We don't really think he represents the working class getting back to work. No, PR says he's fine. But anyway, we'll be looking more into that later. Going to be looking at Germany's paying reparations, uh, according to the Wall Street Journal, for some things. We're going to be looking at uh, why and wherefores later on as well. And a variety of other news. Oh, and Wikipedia, we're going to be looking at that and how the founder seems to have criticised the current boss from years ago. And I think you'll be able to see why now. So let's start with, first of all, with some articles that were sent to me on our Telegram page, Beyond the News. It's nice to be able to interact with the listeners and see what seems to be, you know, catching your eye, catching your attention and whatnot. And this week it definitely seems to have been the vaccinations. And I've wanted to cover some articles that people have sent me for the last couple of weeks, but two weeks ago I got distracted by doing um, that mainstream media whistleblower and I didn't really cover that many articles, did I? But I did manage to get them quite in depth. And last week I was distracted by the interview of things. I hope all the sound, everything came through okay on that. I'm going to be planning to do a lot more interviews and get a lot more guests in over the weeks. But to cut a long story short, that's why I'm sending uh, the things that you've sent me today, my listeners. That's what we're going to be at the start of the show. Because I don't want to make it think that I'm not listening to what you guys are sending me. And it's all along the same lines. Different people, Three different people have sent me three different articles and I'll read them out to you because they're all roughly the same idea. British model dies days after receiving AstraZeneca vaccine. This is by the Evening Standard. Uh, British model has died days after receiving the Oxford AstraZeneca vaccine in Cyprus. Stephanie Dubois, 39, suffered a serious thrombotic episode after being given the jab in the town of Paphos. Health officials at Cyprus's main state hospital in the capital, Nicosia, said that she had no underlying health conditions. I'm assuming being a model, she wouldn't have obesity as well, one problem either. Moving on. So, yeah, thoughts out to her and her family. These are, I'll be reading these out and they're all roughly saying the same thing, but let's not lose sight of the fact that these are real people with real families that will be hurting and in pain right now. And um, I wonder how many of them will be asking, I'm so... Please, she died of the jab. It was better than getting COVID. Anything but getting COVID, that 99% survival rate. I did, no, don't, don't just take the jab. Just take the jab. Mother 25 is put into intensive care coma after very rare reaction to second COVID Pfizer jab caused terrifying anaphylactic shocks. Kirsty Hext, 25, has suffered 14 anaphylactic shocks since having vaccine. She also had a seizure and fractured her wrist, leg bone and cheekbone after falling. Carer is still in hospital after the sufferant, the most recent anaphylactic shock. And this is an article from the Daily Mail and it is by Isabella Nikolic and it's dated yesterday, the 27th of May. Now, if you were to fall over on the slightest little bit of moisture on a supermarket floor, you could do them for thousands, couldn't you? So 
seizures, fractured wrists, leg, cheekbones. I wonder if she will be able to sue anyone as a result of damage done by the vaccine for two reasons. One, can she prove it was the vaccine? And two, I hear that they are given liability protection. So will it go under the government's vaccine damage fund? That's an actual government site that I've listed on this show before. Who knows? But if you can slip over on a slight little bit of soap in Tesco's, imagine what you could do to people that give you very rare comas, fractured risks, seizures, cheekbones. I wonder if she had problems before the vaccine. Because you said no underlying. Was that the other one? But she has... That was, that, that was the other one, wasn't it? God, it's awful. I'm getting confused between these poor people. A young mother was put into an induced coma after she suffered 14 anaphylactic shocks due to a very rare reaction to her COVID Pfizer vaccine. But she has spoken out to urge everyone to get vaccinated. Probably sounds like... Ah, ah, get vaccinated! Ah, ah, get vaccinated! Get vaccinated! Ah! Yeah, it's it, that's Stockholm Syndrome there. So, of course, I'm not making fun of her deliberately. I'm making fun of the fact that how can you get 14 anaphylactic shocks, seizures, fractured wrists, legs and cheekbones and gone, oh, God, I thoroughly recommend this. This is wonderful. I was going to go on holiday to Tenerife, but this 14 anaphylactic shocks wrists, fractures, hospital-induced comas. Duff. You want to line up and get yourself some of that, son. It, um, where's these people's... You know, it's a 99% survival rate. Plus, if she's 25 as well, it'd probably be higher than 99%, wouldn't it? 99 point whatever. They're a care, the carer who was deemed unfit to work. Really? After 14 seizures... Uh, is in hospital after suffering the most recent anaphylactic shock. So again, I want to draw fact that I'm not making the fun out of people who have seizures. I'm not making fun out of people who have any difficulties or anything like that. I'm making fun out of the fact that someone is prepared to do them this to themselves and then would recommend it to others. When the alternative... I mean, I could understand it if it was against something like Ebola, which is... Not a 99% survival rate, it's something like a 99% death rate, isn't it? And it's bleeding out your eyes in a slow, painful manner. So um, I could understand that. Fractures, jabs, anaphylactic-induced comas, that would be better than Ebola. But some, but the sniffles with a 99% survival rate, and not to make fun of the 1% that's died or the families that have suffered losses as a result of that. But really, uh, are you going to go and get your... Your booster, Kirsty Hexed. Are you going to um? You going to go up for your uh, your your third jab? She probably will. She probably will. Thoughts to everyone and their families that um that have lost someone or been harmed, you know. And even if she makes a complete recovery, that's still. A big detriment to life, isn't it? To a lot of pain and suffering to go through and being in a coma. We don't know how long for the war and all that kind of stuff. So I am making fun of the situation, but I'm not making the fun of her. I'm making the fun out of her lack of survival instinct. And I'm doing it so we can try and listen to it so we don't get more people going into anaphylactic. Even if people go, well, I still want to take the vaccine, but I think we need to protect people who may be susceptible to it. Was there anything beforehand in her medical history that perhaps could be examined to go ah oh, you've got this that's why you have you know we went into other things because there's many other people have had those jabs and they haven't gone into anaphylactic shock and everything like that i am picking out the worst ones to read to you or in fact my listeners have uh, sent them to me to be read out so but the point is we don't know about the long-term health effects and we'll read it out in the show we don't know if how it reacts with other medications. I read that straight from the government own document, they admitted that. So what I'm saying is, I know it's too late now, we should have done the science in advance, which is what I've been saying all along, but perhaps now we could do the science and look at, right, who's having these severe reactions? Because it's fair to say the vast majority don't. 
what is it in their medical history that they are taking have taken or other forms of things that make make them susceptible to them so then we could perhaps prevent someone else going into anaphylactic comas it is however so i make light of things i make joke of things it's the only way to draw attention to things and the only way to change things is to draw attention to them so i make no apologies for trying to bring some levity to it so we can try and turn things around but my joke is not aimed at that woman's suffering it is aimed at her lack of i mean if, if i put my hand in a crocodile's mouth and it bit me that would be bad enough to lose my arm and then go into an anaphylactic shocks and all that kind of stuff i wouldn't be recommending i'm glad i did it everyone should shove their hand in a crocodile's thing why not well, if you don't, you might have to take a 1% survival rate on a on a cold and flu virus. I'll take the 1% survival rate. Uh, chance that I don't, you know, the 99% on my side. I'll, I'll, I'll take those odds, I think, better than the crocodile. Too late for this lady, though. And, of course, you know, perhaps if we'd have made more fun of these people in the initial things started coming out in December and January, maybe this woman would have heard it. She'd have gone, that's awful to take the mickey out of these horrible people that's terrible i'm gonna write and have these people cancelled oh what is it they were saying or oh, do you know what i've got that maybe i shouldn't have my jab but too late for this lady now this is from uh 28th of, so today updated today as well by ben hill at the sun devastated lisa shaw a bbc presenter 44 died from blood clot after having AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, her family say. A brilliant BBC presenter died after suffering a blood clot following the AstraZeneca COVID vaccine, her family said today. Liz Shaw's devastated relatives told of their heartbreak, saying, there is a Lisa-shaped hole in our lives that will never be filled. The 44-year-old mum of one who worked for BBC Newcastle developed severe headaches a week after having the COVID jab and feel seriously ill a few days later, a family said in a statement. Experts stress that cases of blood clots linked to the vaccine are extremely rare. Lisa's family said she was treated by the Royal Victoria's Infirmary's intensive care team for blood clots and bleeding in her head. Tragically, she passed away surrounded by her family on Friday afternoon. We are devastated. Um, yeah, and it goes on. You can always read the articles for yourself on the Beyond the News page and listen to them for yourselves. It goes on to say the latest MRHA data reveals 332 cases of these very rare blood clots reported and 58 deaths. Uh, and that comes as 24.2 first doses and 10.7 second doses of AstraZeneca vaccine have been given in the UK. The incidence rate after first doses was 13 per million doses. So perhaps it's time, like I said, to, you know, analyse what was different about this woman and perhaps we could isolate that to stop more tragedies befalling these people and their families. And that is, um, you know, that's that's a couple of kids. One's lost her mum and the other's mum's in a coma. Um, I'd like to reiterate, it's not a laughing matter. But what do you want me to do about it other than try and bring some light to it? And if, you know, it can't all be doom, doom and gloom. You've got to have... Um, and also people don't listen to doom and gloom. There's a reason they put adverts in television. You know, that's what it is. You need some of that entertainment and entertainment can sometimes be controversial. But that's what gets people to watch. People don't watch the adverts for adverts sake. So, um, yeah, if there's anyone that's thinking, oh, Jim, it was terrible the way you you, um, you you talked about those that coma victim. I am just trying to get through to people that... the these risks are very real and that saying shut up conspiracy theorist to anyone that's trying to point that out to you isn't going to bring these ladies back uh, for their children and that's what I, that's the real tragedy and I want to try and avoid that and I'm going to do it any way that I try and can to get that message out so we're talking that's the lady that works for the uh, the BBC um, got an article now from the Telegraph and this is Checking out the date, 27th of May, by Andrew Orlowski. You think the BBC is biased? Check out Wokipedia. 
Despite its frequent fundraising pop-ups, Jimmy Wales' operation is flush with cash it funnels to a left-leaning dark money group. Ooh. Who would you name as the most influential media company in the world? Some might offer Fox, Disney or the BBC, or AT&T and Comcast, the largest media giants, by revenue. In fact, the real answer may be hidden in plain view. Wikipedia. And of course, subscribe to the Telegraph if you want to read more, which set off my memory. And um, there's an article here presented by the Press Reader, presenting an article from the Irish Times from the 12th of April 2007. I remembered it. And I thought I'd... Um, uh, oh, and now it's not letting me read it. Oh, that's nice. But anyway, to cut along so short, the founder criticises Wikipedia content. The online encyclopedia Wikipedia should be taken with a pinch of salt, a spokesman insisted yesterday. Wikipedia founder Larry Sangner told the Times it contained frequently, and that's as much as I can read, but I can, um, you get the message, don't you? All these fact checkers, it's like the fact checkers for Facebook who was fact-checking the Wuhan story. One of them had connections to Wuhan. You know, that's all you need to know. And of course, it's starting to break now that, um, oh, we think it might have got out of the lab, got out or released. Well, we shall see, won't we? Moving on to correcting mistakes here. This is from the Wall Street Journal. And it is from today, the 28th of May. Germany recognises colonial genocide in Namibia to pay 1.3 billion. Government in Germany to ask for forgiveness for atrocities against Herero, Nama people in the early 20th century. Germany said Friday it, that it would ask former colony Nambia, or Namibia for forgiveness for what it now recognises was a genocide of the local Herero and Namo people committed by its troops between 1904 and 1908. Blimey, there was another uh, genocide, was there? Because uh, Germany uh, went on to repeat that about 40 years later, didn't they? So uh, there's a couple of genocides in that century. As part of this official recognition, Germany will pay 1.3, sorry, 1.1 billion euros, equivalent to 1.3 billion dollars, for reconstruction and development projects in Namibia as a gesture of recognition of the immeasurable suffering that was inflicted on the victims. Foreign Minister Heiko Ma said in a statement. Oh, blimey. They, they, Britain better not start doing that. Imagine what the British Empire got up to. I mean, India alone, what we did over there. Uh, to, to Gandhi and his people alone. I mean, and where do we begin with, with the British Museum? I mean, all of that stuff's nicked. The only thing British about that museum is the building. All the stuff's in it is <laughs> nicked from other parts from around the world, isn't it? Uh, and Britain, I, I love the way Britain handles that situation. They just do it with such utter... It, it, they more or less send out... When people ask for their stuff back, they more or less send out letters uh, with an official version of, say, finders, keepers, na 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 na. So, oh blimey, can you imagine if Britain ever had to apologise for all the stuff it did in, just in its empire days alone and the stuff it nicked? So, there's an interesting one for you. And the next article is from Reuters. This is from yesterday, the 27th of May. Capital calls Bill Gates under yet another spotlight. Floodgates open. Rich guy and Microsoft founder Bill Gates is, as the world knows, getting divorced. Since the announcement of the split, Gates has come under fresh scrutiny, including his contacts with convicted sex offender Jeffrey Epstein at a prior consensual relationship with a Microsoft employee. An investigation years later into the latter by Microsoft's board coincided with Gates' resignation as a director in 2020, according to the Wall Street Journal. Now Cascade Investment, the huge private vehicle that manages assets for Gates and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, is also in the crosshairs. Yeah, that Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, do you know what it's a foundation of? Why don't you go into DuckDuckGo? Because I do believe the name has been dropped now, but have a look into what that is a foundation of and to do. I think that's uh, quite an interesting uh, couple of minutes to spend on a search engine for you. Investment chief Michael Larson engaged in a pattern of workplace misconduct, according to multiple New York. So blah, 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 blah. We've covered it before. I mentioned before that uh, I was surprised that Melinda Gates, uh, a whole Epstein thing, because that's been known about for quite some time now. So 
Uh, and I, it doesn't really sit well with me that oh, I'm getting it divorce as a result of the Epstein thing. What? From when he was mates with him for like the last 10 years, you just decided to do it now, now after the guy's dead. Uh, it just doesn't really. Now, I know that there are times and things that and the other, but still, it's not something I really buy into. And also the fact that he's transferred so much wealth into her name, that would imply that it's going to be an amicable divorce. The lawyers have obviously got hold of him and gone, <clears throat> you want to transfer some funds now before uh, <laughs> before her lawyers ask you to do it. So there's still things going on there. There's more to this story than meets the eye. And the mainstream media has sort of turned on Bill Gates quite quickly. And they defended him vehemently for, for, for years. And he gives funding to various media outlets. Something doesn't smell right here. Uh, to me, um, why why they would suddenly turn on Gates? Oh, don't get me wrong, I, I despise the man, but why they would suddenly turn on him now? Why now is the question? Um, and this whole divorce thing, yeah, there's questions to be answered on that one for me. Speaking of questions to be answered, revealed Biden's nominee for ATF head is an anti-gun lobbyist who was at the Ruby Ridge standoff and Waco massacre and lied about cult members shooting down helicopters. So basically, um, the guy in church, if not Biden's nominee for ATF, that's alcohol, tobacco and firearms, is anti-gun. And um, have you seen the Waco massacre? I'm not saying that those people were sane or right in any way, but... I don't think when there's, uh, you know, that, that when them, when they're roughly keeping themselves to themselves, and I mean, they're weird and all that, but they're roughly keeping themselves to themselves and they've got kids in there, I don't think it's a good idea to lie about them shooting down helicopters so you can get the feds to run them down with tanks and burn them to death. I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think that's the way forward, really. And uh, there's a wonderful bit on that Bill Hicks did just before he died. It's not on one of his main DVDs, but he talks about... Uh, the madness of the Waco situation. You might be able to still find it on YouTube. So Biden picked to head the ATF. David Chipman held Ask Me Anything Reddit thread last year where he revealed to have lied about aspects of the Waco massacre. So a known liar who's got away with known lies in which people died is Biden's top pick um, to overlook alcohol, tobacco and firearms at a time when firearm ownership is at an all-time high in America because they distrust government. Perfect way to handle it, Biden. ATF showed up at the religious sect's ranch in 1993 with a search and siege warrant for illegal firearms and weapons in the facility. A massive fire ensued. Ensued is an interesting word for it. Uh, the handling of the Waco incident quickly became the subject of major criticism after 76 Branch Davidian members and five ATF agents were killed. Chipman was also involved as an ATF agent with the Ruby Ridge standoff. Oh, uh, nice. <laughs> Another infamous incident. He was an ATF agent for 25 years and now is a senior policy advisor for the gun control advocacy group Giffords. Oh, no, um, <laughs> was there no conflict of interest there. Gun rights advocacy groups are concerned with Chipman's nomination, claiming Joe Biden knows he cannot beat gun owners in Congress. Yes. So keep an eye on this situation. Um... You'll know that any, the Americans have the right to bear arms. It's in their constitution. Anyone that tries to take away their firearms, whether you agree with it or not, is going to have a really bad day. And uh, what is it? There's 330 million in America, and I think over half the Americans are armed, and there, a lot of them are armed to the teeth. If you have ever want to know what this could potentially look like, Bundy Ranch. It's nothing to do with Ted. It's something totally different. And that will send you down some rabbit holes of what happened to some of the guys in them. Um, was it Ammon Bundy or one of his friends? Uh, one of Ammon Bundy's friends or anything like that. And the, the Fed killing and, and all that. Uh, uh, that's a whole story in itself. Bundy Ranch. B-U-N-D-Y. That's what happens when government meets armed citizens. And it was hilarious. Um, that they, they goose-stepped backwards off of the land. That was all as a result of the Bureau of Land Management. It's a kind of very long story short. <clears throat> The Bureau of Land Management took this farmer's cattle, uh, which he said was unlawfully, and 
um, the local sheriff seemed to have close connections to people taking the land, Bureau of Land Management. He didn't get involved. Other people got involved, said it was illegal. So the farmers bounded together uh, because they'd done this sort of behaviour to a variety of other people, seen the farmers off before, and the militia got involved. And they went down and they got the cattle back. And there were 300 people screaming at the people, I will shoot you in the face if you come on this land. And they just said, you fire the first shot. You, there's 300 of you, there's a 1,000 of us, and we're ex-veterans as well. We've got snipers up on the hills. We will take you out. But you have to fire the first shot because all I want is my cattle back. So he wandered in and he got his cattle back. And um, then they said, you have to leave now. And he went, no, you leave now. And they just started like doing this, this weird goose step backwards, total authoritarian people. But um, those were the people, you know, that served in Iraq, kicking people's houses down, um, Abu Ghraib, Fallujah, all that kind of stuff. And then you let them loose on the domestic population. And I think you'll start to see army in the streets in the UK as well. Probably something to do with that vaccine before too long. Because uh, uniforms intimidate people. Army intimidates people. Badges intimidate people. And um, all the people that were going to take the vaccine as a result of the propaganda have already taken it. The ones who are yet to take it are the ones who aren't going to take it, if you know what I mean. There's going to be some that have not been called up for their jabs and this, that, the other, but you get where I'm going with this. So, you know, what else do you do with a load of people who aren't going to take the jab because they don't want to risk all the side effects that uh, we listed earlier and would take their chance of the 99% survival rate and even then don't particularly want to change their DNA because those mRNA vaccines permanently change your DNA. They're almost gene therapies and some people wouldn't even call them a vaccine. What do you do? You get people to intimidate so, um, you know, we shall see if where it ends. Are they going to bang at the doors? I mean, I'm not making this a prediction, I'm, I can, but I'm not saying it's not going to happen either. I can see it sort of coming. It all depends on how much of a dictator Boris Johnson is. So what are they going to do? Knock at the doors? How long do they knock? And let's just hope that that's where they leave it, eh? Because everyone needs a warrant to enter someone's house in the UK. Otherwise... You will be living in Iraq, won't you? And go and speak to the Iraqis that had their doors put through in the name of freedom. We're liberating you at three o'clock in the morning and dragging you off to um, dungeons uh, without lawyers or trial because uh, we have heard someone, someone, someone along the grapevine has heard from our intelligence that, yeah, that's the right, the same intelligence, said there was weapons of mass destruction here, which we haven't found, that said you're dangerous, so we're going to drag you out of your house at three o'clock in the morning. And then, of course, the troops come back and they start to go, oh, I just, I, I can't believe, you know, yeah, it was bad and we were put into that state of terror and we were attacked and this, that and the other, but a lot of the stuff that we we're doing is wrong and I can't really reconcile myself with it. And that's why I do believe you do get, in America at least, more troops killing themselves when they come back home than die on active duty tours, or at least there have been some years where that has occurred. Go and look it up for yourself. So moving on to Keir Starmer, Labour funding threatened, it was of course naturally, as predicted here on Beyond the News, uh, it was a disaster for him. It was, how, how bad do you have to be to lose to Boris Johnson? The answer is you have to take all the things that are worse about Boris Johnson and just make them slightly worse. And there you've got Keir Starmer. It's almost as if someone's pulling the strings to both puppets and gone, I need Johnson to get this deeply unpopular agenda through. What do we do to do that? We pro-wrestling match it. We own both parties and we make the other opposition, the only viable opposition there. We make him even worse, don't we? So you, we give him the, literally the choice of two evils. I merely speculate in, a, in one of my more paranoid moments. but And of course, it could just be that... Um, um, Great minds think alike, or in this case, fools rarely differ between Starmer and Johnson. Maybe it's not a conspiracy. Maybe they're just all a, a certain type of person that goes to the Eton schools. And they there's no more conspiracy other than the fact that they look down their nose at us. as well, Didn't go to Eton. Well, not one of us, is he? Not, not, a, not, a, not, a knighted, not a knighted lawyer. No, 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 no. Not not former mayor of London. No, 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 no. They don't matter then, do they? Lock them in their homes. Lock them in their homes. Track and trace to leave. Lock them up. So this is by Ian Watson. Labour funding threatened by two candidates for Unite Top 
job. Multi-million pound funding for the Labour Party from its biggest trade union backer has been put at risk. Two of the candidates seeking to replace Len McCluskey in the top job at the Unite Union have singled have signalled that contributions could be cut. Both Howard Beckett and Sharon Graham have indicated that Sir Keir Starmer could not be certain of financial support from Unite if they won. The Labour pays un- the union pays Labour around 1.3 million in affiliation fees, and it donated 3 million to the party in the run-up to the 2019 general election. This is all supposedly because you know the unions want to lobby people to keep their jobs there and you think right if we pay 1.x million we get more than that back through our our jobs being uh, kept in certain areas and things like that but these people are starting to see the reality now um what so Keir Starmer wants an even harsher lockdown well how's that going to be good for industry then let's take a you know do you know what I mean a knighted lawyer how does he speak for the trade unions is he really one of us so just as I predicted on Beyond the News, you know, episodes ago that there was going to be a problem, ta-da, here it is. And lo and behold, it usually comes after the emperor has no clothes, has been seen to be naked. So, oh, Sir Keir Starmer, he's your man, he's your man, he's your man, he's your man, he's your man. I don't think he is. Everyone hates him. I don't think he represents us. Um, I think he's even worse than Boris Johnson. No, 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 no. no PR says he's great. PR says he's great. Election results come in absolute flop people go with their gut instincts and there's going to be a problem Uh, i have no um i'm not a labor supporter i liked a lot of corbyn's stuff i disliked some of corbyn's stuff as well and i couldn't find to bring myself to vote for him after he essentially backtracked on brexit he was a massive lever as you know in all that he was a tony ben school of labor and then suddenly whether he got um whether he he changed his mind and one can speculate whether it was because lobbyists got in his ear or someone had something on him or he just got really bad advice either way it tells me Corbyn's either corrupt weak or stupid and uh, I couldn't bring to vote myself for someone like that (laughs) and of course uh, it goes out saying I couldn't vote for Johnson so hopefully and if you look at the Brexit vote of leave with the Labour vote of leave and it doesn't matter what your opinions of either party or issue are or anything like that you'll find they massively overlap so Jeremy Corbyn went um, right what's the key issue my entire voter base is really keen on that overlaps massively and I'll do a 180 on it and that's why he you know that's why he lost to Boris Johnson who when faced with a first tough question went and hid in a fridge and that's the Prime Minister that we've got now in Britain. One of his, Boris's former top guys has dumped on him in court this week. Dominic Cummings recap. Boris Johnson unfit for PM as thousands died needlessly. Boris Johnson's XA Dominic Cummings claims the PM wanted to be injected with Covid live on TV and Matt Hancock should have been sacked and admits his Durham trip was a disaster. It's by Chris Kitching for The Mirror. This is what I call an Overton window change. So uh, let me give you another example of that. So in the Olympics, we said, oh, we should have the British Army run the Olympics. And everyone went, you can't have the troops on the streets. That looks really bad. That's what dictators do. It's what banana republics look like. And the prime minister went, OK, we won't do that then. We'll give the contract to G4S, I believe it was. Or what, it was uttering, they were known, it was a comedy thing at the time. You know, everyone was taking a mickey out of them. They were so utterly incompetent. Whoever they were, they were the one that got the contract. So then, of course, it all goes tits up, as you would naturally expect it to do so. And then suddenly the government go, oh, we've got to quickly get the troops in there. They'll they'll plug the gaps and everything like that. They're the only ones that can do things efficiently at short notice. So that's called an Overton window change because people went, oh, it was good with the army running it, wasn't it? You know, that's called, you know, the Overton window. So let me extrapolate that to how that works here. Rather than have a debate on does lockdown work at all? How does it compare with the control experiments in South Dakota, uh, Florida, now Texas? Iceland, Sweden. How does that work? Because we had one of the harshest lockdowns and one of the highest death rates. And the people with the fewest lockdowns, or none at all, had really low death rates. 
So maybe lockdown is bad and we haven't even begun on the suicide rates and economic destruction. Now that would be a proper debate, the cost-benefit analysis of lockdown. What exactly did lockdown do to slow the spread? Let's look at it in scientific terms. We agree with it in the idea that there's something nasty out there and people can catch cold from other people, so we see the common sense. Let's see how that scientifically translates to data and a cost-benefit analysis at least a year on. No. The Overton window shift is, let's shift it from, is lockdown good versus lockdown bad, cost-benefit analysis of good science, to, do we have a lockdown or a really harsh lockdown? So it goes from lockdown or no lockdown to really harsh or really, 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 really harsh. That's called the Overton window change, and it's called that because that's the window that you can see out of. Previously, you can see lockdown and no lockdown. They want to shift it, so the only view out of that window is lockdown or really harsh lockdown. And it's called an opinion shift, and it's called an Overton window change. So um, that's uh, that's what this is being done here. So, um, And in order to do that, I would imagine this is either someone's put Cummings up to it, or it's a pro wrestling match. So... Um, it's Johnson, you know, remember there's a lot of psychologists involved in Number 10 Downing Street. Go and look at who makes up Sage, for example. We've got documents where they admit and they've been chastised for saying you shouldn't be fear-mongering and that kind of stuff. I wonder if we'll get to them uh, or whether I'll bring them up for next week's show. Where it's, People have said, you're using scare and fear tactics here. We can see it and it's a psychological tactics and we've seen the people that make up your committee. They're psychological tactics here. So don't be uh, perturbed by them using psychological tactics such as an Overton window change. So, um, yeah, Do Dominic comes to slam Boris Johnson as unfit to lead and accuses fiance of committing illegal acts. OK, now, I will start to think that this is more than some sort of pro wrestling Overton window change. And when I say pro wrestling, I mean, go out there and squabble boys and backstage they'll all shake hands and split up the dividends between them. So... I will think that it's real, just in a, a pro wrestling match. You'll know, uh, and of course pro wrestlers get bumps and hideous injuries and stuff like that, and I'm not making light of their profession in any way, shape or form. But what I'm saying is, in an MMA match where someone punches someone in the face ten times, they get a bloody nose. In a pro wrestling match, they don't. So what I need to see is, if they're doing something illegal, don't just go out in front of a committee and say oh oh i'm turning on boris johnson now because he wasn't enough of a dictator he didn't lock down fast enough or harsh enough oh, he should have had a really really harsh lockdown you're all criticized that's the overton window change you're all criticizing boris johnson for being a dictator and locking you down i'm here to tell you that the other option should have been even more of a lockdown that would have been better you'd have been even safer if he was even more of a dictator don't look at the option of no dictator at all you know that's the overton window change now i'll believe it's a lot more than that if these people that were did illegal acts actually get banged up rather than just saying a few words in a court of law to you know is it even a court of law do they even have that sort of power inquiries i don't know i doubt it. it did well go and look at the um was it chilquat for tony blair in iraq he's still walking free so in a series of scathing attacks he claimed health secretary matt hancock should have been fired for at least 15 to 20 things including lying to everybody now if you're lying to everybody i assume everybody includes everybody which would include judges your lawyers um what i'm saying is if you're a prime minister, uh, sorry, if you're a, uh, an official capacity and in your job acting officially and you're lying, um, I don't think sacking is quite what it's there. He said Matt Hancock should have been fired. How about if you're acting under your official position and you're lying and you know you're lying, I think that that's more of a um, jail sentence. So, you know, yeah, uh, you know, are you advocating liars go to prison, Jim? No, if someone's like cheating on their spouse or anything like that, of course not. But if someone's acting in an official capacity 
and knows that they're lying in the government role and I assume that must involve lying to at least the people that pay your wages which is the electorate or the judges or the police uh, I think that's probably more than a sacking offence and someone should be um, uh, put in the dock for that if I start to see these people on trial I'll believe that this is more than just an exercise in Overton window changing and psychological manipulation of the British public to think away from lockdown or anti-lockdown to lockdown or really harsh lockdown. That's what I think is going on here. Pro wrestling match is my speculative, uninformed, no sources, pure gut instinct reaction. And I, I try and give my opinions here because um, one of my listeners asked for my opinions. Uh, they quite like it. Way. And that's what you'll find here at Beyond the News. You can think for yourself, do your own research. I just read out a bit of the headlines. And you can see the whole headlines for yourself on Beyond the News Facebook or uh, on Parlour if it's up. And I'll be getting onto Gab or join our Telegram group as well. That seems to work quite well. And that's how people are sending me these stories. So a big, big thank you to the listeners for uh, sending me a few articles to cover today. Now, moving on. Here's someone that did lie and get jailed. However, it's in China and not in the UK. Student jailed after using six, uh, sorry, KFC app glitch to order six and a half thousand pounds worth of free chicken. It's by Tom Williams, Thursday the 13th of May. And uh, you see the difference between uh, <laughs> lying to governments and corporations and governments and corporations lying to us. Uh, you can see the uh, difference in um, consequences. Although, again, this is the communist Chinese uh, communist yeah, com com Chinese Communist Party, isn't it? So, um, yeah, uh, he's lucky he just uh, defrauded KFC. If he was a political dissident, they'd have um, taken off his organs. And goodness knows what they do to those poor Muslim people in China. Is it Uyghurs, I think? Awful. I've seen the pictures of them. Terrible. Where's the human rights on that? Well, where's the human rights on pretty much the entire Chinese party system, really? That's why so many people were protesting it. Uh, I would have thought Hong Kong, Taiwan, all over, and then COVID hit, and uh, no one was protesting either because they were scared or uh, it was made illegal. Uh, convenient that. Where did it come from again? A student who ordered six and a half grand worth of free food after discovering a glitch in KFC's online ordering system has been jailed. Zhu, 23 from China, managed to secure himself bucket upon bucket of free chicken by manipulating a voucher system for six months. He also shared the secret with four friends who collectively took a combined total of £15,500 worth of food before they were stopped. Zoo was ordering a takeaway via KFC's phone app using a voucher in April 2018 when he discovered the glitch. Between April and October that year, he effectively managed to generate endless free food vouchers by switching between the KFC app and the company store on WeChat, Chinese equivalent of WhatsApp. Using this method, he found he could place an order using the voucher, but it would also still remain in his account. Zhu then sold on some of the meals for a cut price to his classmates while also eating them himself. See, there's your problem, mate. Do not do business in China unless you have the Chinese government on your side. And you can look into that. I believe it's an actual legal requirement, certainly if you're an outsider to do business in China. I think you've got to have uh, the Chinese government as um, in your business, you know. So his friends who exploited the glitch in a similar reason got away with food worth between a grand and 5,200 each. The group eventually caught and they admitted committing fraud so the moral of that story is friends if you can find a way to defraud kfc for free food don't tell your friends about it because they'll tell everyone everyone likes a free meal and then the secret's out and you'll be hauled off to a chinese communist party prison in no time for two and a half years Alec Baldwin slams council culture as a forest fire in constant need of fuel on Twitter after his wife Hilaria's fake Spanish heritage scandal. Alec Baldwin once again slammed the concept of council culture. This is by Christopher Rogers. I don't need to go into the detail. I'm just wanting to get you to the idea that um, that a lot of people are, uh, you know, who would have thought that stifling free speech and making everyone walk on eggshells would be a bad idea? And of course, uh, racism is wrong. But here's the thing. You shouldn't ban racists right to free speech for two reasons. One, you become a fascist like them. 
so you want to take the moral high ground. And two, I think it's handy to know who these people are. So you could, oh, you're a racist. Good, I can avoid you and never, ever speak to you again now I've known that. And when I say good, I mean in terms of good I found out early uh, and now I don't ever have to spend time in your company anymore because these racist people are invariably angry, upset, um, quite ignorant people, um, which is ironically exactly how the cancel culture people are like as well. The, you know, the sort that... Um, can't go onto Twitter for more than two minutes before they need to sign a petition to say someone should be banned because they've been offended. Those sorts. It's funny, isn't it? Um, whether it be the fascists in the traditional sense with their goose-stepping swash stickers banning free speech, or whether it's the people that claim to hate those people banning free speech. Whoever ends up hating and banning free speech is usually invariably ignorant, arrogant, angry and miserable. And uh, Misery Loves Company. So here's another article saying roughly the same thing. May the 20th by Lee Brown for the New York Post. Chris Rock rips cancel culture for rise in boring entertainment. Yes, that's right. Controversy. Things that make people raise their eyebrows. Different points of view. Not all. See, that's the thing, isn't it? Cancel culture is all for we should only be using these terms and these sort of things. Basically, it's um, it's handcuffs on free speech. Uh, it's controlling the words you can and cannot use. It's effectively a form of control. And of course, if you make up the rule, if you can get to the point that you can make up the rules of what people cannot say, you can control what they can and cannot say. When you control what they can and cannot say, you're controlling communications. When you control communications, you are controlling information. When you're controlling information, you're controlling what people can think for themselves. And often, people are offended at that's something that's giving joy to others. Um, not always, but, but sometimes like that. So follow the patterns and you'll find why people are you know do you want your entertainment to be right it has to have only this school of thought and having any questions or controversy about those or differing opinions in any way shape or form is bigotry and banned immediately is that form of entertainment going to foster creativity is it going to foster debate because debate is how we move on as a species science, social issues, that kind of stuff. Debate is good, debate is healthy. So what are you going to be left with, with a, when a load of angry, miserable people say you can only subscribe to certain ideas or philosophies? You're left with something that people don't want to watch. And so then the game becomes, we need to cancel everybody so everyone has to watch what we do. No ifs, no buts. So Chris Rock has joined the growing backlash against cancel culture, insisting it is disrespecting audiences and the responsible for a rise in unfunny entertainment. The 56-year-old comedian told Power 105.1's The Breakfast Club Monday that the real fear of getting cancelled has made people safe. And when everyone gets safe and nobody tries anything, things get boring, he told New York stations Angela Yee and DJ Envy. Where that goes from there is the old Darth Vader thing. The, 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 tighter you, the tighter your grip, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. The more you cancel, the more people will go, um, I don't want to be on your platform. The more people will go, oh, where's he gone? He's not on your platform anymore. What platform is he on? And they leave. And that's when the council site, because it's like I've said it before, and I won't go into detail again. When the nut job at a party in the living room, and everyone's like, this person's nuts. I want to go to the kitchen. The person in the living room doesn't go, ha ha, I've cleared the living room, my job is done. <coughs> they go to the kitchen and they start bothering you there. So um, that's why it's important to say, no, you got platform, we got ours. You have your um, um, Orwellian thought police constantly monitoring that like uh, Big Brother. And over here, we can say what we like around anyone we like. And if people get offended, that's their problem. Who do you think is going to have more fun in the long term? So that's what is it. So 
either take a stand against cancel culture where it's at, or you say, right, that's your board, that's your mainstream media, right? You accelerate the process of you dying and with no one watching, while we go and build the new platforms where humanity can be free to express itself, right or wrong. We're going to express ourselves and debate whether you're, we're right or wrong. And uh, and also, what do you think it does to people's ability to have a conversation and debate when someone's like, well, I'm used to debating all the time, controversial ideas, and I've heard this and I've that, versus, shut up, racist. Uh, no, I'm, I've come to debate with you on this. Shut up, racist. Who do you think is going to be more adult-like, a better set of life skills, and be able to succeed more in their social and work life. And again, I'm put three back to back so you can see it popping up. Um, and this is from The Independent, and it's by Shappy Corsandi. Worked with Shappy a couple of times, very talented comic. Um, always happy to see her on the bill. Don't know her that well, but um, worked with her a couple of times. Very decent comedian, and very pleased to see that she's uh, standing up for free speech here. Cancel culture is ruining comedy, it's time to stand up to it. When those who are not risk-takers declare a comic is cancelled, well, excuse me if I think the noble raw art of stand-up comedy is something they know they neither know nor care about. Or you could replace stand-up comedy with freedom there. I think that, that would work uh, just as well. Cancel culture needs to keep its nose out of stand-up comedy. I mean, what is the point of being a comic if you can't mess up, really? If you haven't felt your insides hollowed out because something you have said has come across so badly that an entire room hates you, then you are not a stand-up comic. I'm definitely a stand-up comic. So uh, good on Shappy for making that point. But I think it's also more important to point out the bigger issue. I will say what I want. If I'm not calling for a crime or I'm not using um, racist terms, and by that I mean blatantly racist, the ones that we agreed were racist at the turn of the century, not the terms that you people have come into now that I would say around a room of black people and I'd go, did you know that that phrase is now called racist and they'll look at me like I'm insane? That kind of nonsense that's stepped on over the 20 years. The genuine racism, um, you know, where where nasty words are used or people aren't getting a job or anything like that, that is despicable and uh, should never be allowed anywhere. But, as ever, that um, that description now comes on to mean, uh, in a lot of these places, uh, I'm going to call you a racist if I disagree with any of your views whatsoever in any way, shape or form, and I'm a cancel culture extreme leftist who is anti-fascist, but I am going to, without hint of irony, call for you to be censored, deplatformed, and uh, many other hateful things on uh, social media, because I'm obviously liberal and tolerant, uh, so long as you agree with me in this, uh, then I'm very intolerant of you. But I'm going to preach continuous tolerance while being intolerant of you and anyone that disagrees with me. That is the uh, modern left that I don't associate with, and it's so good to see people from the traditional left, of which I am uh, involved in, that comedy is traditionally a part of people like Shappy and Chris Rock uh, speaking out about that. Very, very pleased to see that uh, here. So, uh, next articles here tonight. Oh, now, I'm just going to do a quick thing while we're on free speech. Harry said uh, he called, was it called the First Amendment bonkers? And all the Americans like, you know, bugger off back to your own country, mate. That's not racism, in my opinion. Right? If you're telling a royal family member to bugger off back to their own country, I don't consider that racism. If the Americans say that to Prince Harry, I don't consider that racism. I consider that that's why they had a revolution from us in the first place in 1776, because they wanted to speak freely. Yes, it is bonkers wanting to speak freely, isn't it? You know, it bonkers wanting to be free. Imagine that. So good on the Americans for telling Harry where to stick it with his uh, anti-First Amendment uh, speech. Yes, the right to speak freely. It's bonkers. <laughs> my, my grandfather... He went to numerous Nazi funerals and rallies. We didn't build this country for you to speak freely. He didn't go on those rallies to say that free speech was anything other than bonkers. So there you go. There's my. I'm not a fan of the royals, as you could probably guess. So good on the Americans for telling him where to uh, where to shove it. So uh, uh, 
Harry compares Megan racism to Diana and Dodie. She was chased to death while in relationship with someone that wasn't white. Um, I think she was going to be chased to death and harassed and photographed whether she was with someone white or not. But I agree with the sentiment that it probably got a few more paparazzi on there. However, what I would be more inclined to look at, Harry, would be um, I did for RT uh, Keith Allen, um, the actor and father of Lily Allen, brought back... Peter Cook's Establishment Club, which was for satirical comedy, specifically because he thought there was nothing on the mainstream media that was having actual non-woke uh, comedy up there. You know, it was all brashing back Brexit and Trump and all that kind of stuff. And and we, 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 you know, I won't go into the details of how the BBC has been chastised for being uh, too woke and left of the thing. I mean, we saw the advert before, isn't it? The first article, if you think the BBC's woke, wait till you see Wikipedia. I mean, you know, anyway. I digress. But anyway, he decided to bring it back. And he made a very interesting documentary before he did. And I don't even know if I'm allowed to say its name because I have seen someone share the film on social media and they got legal action real quick uh, from people who believe, uh, or at least claim to be acting on behalf of the Queen. Uh, and actually, he sort of shut it down uh, immediately. But uh, there's a film... Uh, I wonder if I can spell it out to you. So, um, when Matt Hancock uh, did all those contracts, the judges deemed him to be un-something, right? So, if you take that word, un-something, and then if, um, if you do well in a business deal, or at the bookies, or poker or anything like that people ask you go on you say oh i made a something last night oh i made a last night you know so if you put those two words together you know oh i made a last night and um what matt hancock does then that's the name of the documentary and it can be found on a russian server i suggest harry watches it because um the the title of it, and I can say this, I can't say it as a title of a film, but the the title of the film is the judge's legal ruling over how she died, over how Princess Diana died. So if you can find the official ruling, that is the name of the film, and watch that film. It is extremely interesting. And... Um, yeah, I think if Harry hasn't watched it, he should watch that already. And good on Keith Allen for making it. Beginning to wrap up the show now. Articles from the mirror here. Mum defends sending daughter to school dressed as basic bitch for culture day. Charlie Darling received a call from a concerned teacher after sending her five-year-old daughter to school in a pair of Uggs and leggings with an empty Starbucks cup to carry about by Rosalind Fenton for the Mirror. And this is from the 14th of May. Um, a mum has defended herself after sending her daughter dressed like a basic bitch for school's culture day. Charlie Darling was forced to explain the costume to staff after they rang to ask why Madeline refused to let go of, her, of the Starbucks cup. The mum from Orlando, United States, sent the five-year-old to school wearing a pair of Ugg boots, leggings and a scarf while carrying the coffee cup. The 33-year-old went viral after she shared the incident online and said that she managed to smooth things over with staff at her daughter's school. But she was dubbed the world's worst parents by critics online, while others said it was hilarious. So I'm not going to make a uh, comment on what I found it to be. Um, but what I am saying is, is that what people call a joke, because she said, so I got a call from the teacher who was quite confused and didn't get the joke. Now, what people, here's, the, here's a reality of facts that will never change so long as humans inhabit the earth. People will tell jokes. Some people will get them. Some people won't. The people that get them, some people will like them. Some people won't. And that's it. Jokes, comedy, indeed all art is subjective. If you try and get a group of people, this kind of uh, thing is funny and this kind of thing is not, you turn into a fascist dictatorship, the likes of which you will never see. Um, it will be Hitler's wet dream. So 
Let's stand up for freedom, whether we find it funny or not. Let's stand up for freedom, whether we agree with that person's, what they're doing with that freedom or not. Now, of course, they can't commit crimes or harm to others or anything like that. But let's stand up for freedom, whether we find it funny or not, whether we get the joke or not. And let's, because if we don't stand up for each other's freedoms, we're not going to get it for ourselves. Freedom is the one thing you can only have yourself if you give it away for free to others. It's one of life's little ironies like that. So thank you so much for joining us on this 42nd edition of Beyond the News. We've had technical difficulties with this one, so if it's a little bit scratchy, I've had to sort of chop and change things about a bit. So I hope that hasn't interfered with your listening pleasure too much. Join our Telegram page, look us up on Facebook, and please, if you enjoy the show, tell others about it, or at least send the links to them, because some of this stuff is really important, I think, and we need to start coming together as a all religions, races, colours and creeds, sexual orientations and discriminations, to stand for each other's freedoms, whether we agree or disagree with what they're going to do with that freedom. As long as they're not committing a crime, let's come together, stand for each other, and live free.